Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Tobes. Kath. What what are we doing here? Where are we starting from? What's happening? Uh, okay, so we are starting in a rental car. Okay, hello, testing one, two, three. We're recording, cool. This is from a couple months ago when I took a trip out to Denver, Colorado. I just gotta say, it is... So gross in Denver today. It's about six at night, and it is snowing that kind of slush that's like the worst part of snow and the worst part of rain combined. Uh, I've just parked my car on the side of the road. I'm in the middle of sort of an industrial area, sitting outside of Mile High Comics. It's basically this huge comic book warehouse on the outskirts of town, and I'm here because of a special event that's happening at the store an event that's gotten a lot of attention. There's a line of people with rainbow parasols in front of Mile High Comics, sort of in the parking lot. And across the street from them, even in this slushy-ass snow, are protesters. One sign says, why are you exposing this to children? Here we go. Immediately, I see this sea of people. Protesters who have lined up on one side of the street with bullhorns, they're yelling and chanting. And across from them, the Rainbow Parasol Brigade stands in front of the store. And with them is a small band with trumpets and trombones. They're clearing off the snow that's collecting on their instruments and music stands. A man with a beard and a long coat sees me and motions for me to follow him. Is it always this chaotic outside? Yes, sir. How we show him? Technically, if you don't have a badge on, you're not supposed to get in past the wall. Oh, okay. I walk through a hallway lined with posters of superheroes, glass cases filled with figurines, and eventually I get into the main part of the warehouse, where there is a giant stage. Tobin. Come on, move it along. What is happening here? (laughs) Well, Kathy, I have just entered the complicated and taffeta-covered world of kids who do drag. What is taffeta? Oh, sweet, sweet Kathy. What is it? (laughs) (laughs) From WNYC Studios, this is Nancy. With your hosts, Tobin Lowe and Kathy Tu. Okay, so kids who do drag. Yes, kids who do drag. Many questions. Mm -hmm. Top of my head. First question, when you say they quote-unquote do drag, what do you mean? Like, Mm. what does it mean for a kid to do drag? Okay, well, I think it might be helpful to start by talking about maybe the drag that we're used to seeing. You know, like Mm. when adults do it. Yes. Like, what do you think of when you think of drag, Kathy? So, let's see. I'm used to seeing drag at a gay bar or some sort of queer space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would say there's all kinds of drag performers. Like, some are fashion queens. Some are more like stand-up comedians. Some of them do death-defying death drops. Oh, look at you knowing the terminology. I know, right? I love seeing a crowd screaming in support of them and giving the performers dollar bill tips. Mm-hmm. It's very fun. Totally. I think my other association with drag is that it can 
get pretty R-rated, like a little raunchy.、Mm. A lot of the drag I've seen is meant to push against what's considered normal or respectable. Yeah, totally. But we should say, even with this sort of rebellious attitude, drag has still found itself in the mainstream through the popularity of shows like RuPaul's Drag Race. Yep. So more and more people are becoming fans of drag and wanting to try it for themselves, including kids. Which, okay, now we're gonna get back to your question: What does it look like when a kid does drag? How would you describe what you're wearing right now? I'm going for a very maleficenty look. This is Sasselina. I'm Sasselina Bluechild. She's a six-year-old drag queen who is performing tonight at Denver's very own all-ages drag show. This is the reason I have come to Colorado to check out this event that's been going on every month for about a year now. It's a couple days before Halloween, so everyone, including Sasselina, is appropriately spooky. And then you have some horns that looks like maybe it's cardboard and duct tape, or what's underneath the duct tape? No, it's actually、uh, cut pool noodles. Oh. And duct tape. Very clever, very clever. And I'm just noticing now too that your eyelashes are—are they stars and lace? Yeah, they're like stars and swirls, and they were like three dollars at Target. <laughs> The show is about to start, and kids in all sorts of DIY costumes run past me as they make their way backstage. Some have vampire makeup on. Others have sparkly dresses and tutus. I take a seat at one of the many round tables set up in the audience. Each one surrounded by parents and family. All around us in this giant warehouse are rows and rows of comic books and comic book merchandise. It's kind of overwhelming, but all the attention is on this makeshift stage in front of us. A drag queen with pale white makeup and a short pixie cut wig gets on a microphone. She's the host of the event, a local drag queen named Jessica Lahore. Do you get it, Kath? It's spelled W H O R. Okay, I got it, Tobin. It's、yeah. not that funny anymore. If you, yeah, just continue. Okay, fine. <laughs>、uh, but for the all ages drag show, she actually changes her name. She goes by a more age appropriate. Miss Jessica, everybody. Miss Jessica. She's one of the founders of the event, along with the owner of the comic book store. And for the next two hours, she ushers kid after kid on the stage to perform in drag. Oh my God! Yes,、mm-hmm. performances. What is a kid drag performance like? So everyone in the show performs a lip sync to a song of their choice. And unlike some of the adult drag performers I'm used to seeing, these kids are not super choreographed or polished because they're, you know, kids. So for a lot of them, this show is the first time they're performing in drag. So instead of trying to be word perfect on their lip sync or trying to do a super impressive dance, it was more like watching them do a skit to portray a feeling. Like one performer wears a hoodie and sort of skulks around the stage, lip syncing to that song "Break Even," the one about being in your feelings because of heartbreak. And this performer is giving you full angsty teen. They're like falling to their knees in frustration. There's dramatic hand gestures. Another performer is dressed up like Jack Skellington from Nightmare Before Christmas. And they're trying to embody this sort of creepy body language of a skeleton as they walk around the stage. Again, not really a dance, more of acting out a feeling.、Uh, but then there is Sasselina. 
She's done a couple of these shows, and it is apparent. She is word-perfect as she lip-syncs. She's waving her arms around like she's really Maleficent conjuring a spell. And at one point, she, like, uses her staff to support herself as she dramatically leans backward into this, like, contorted pose. But no matter how new or experienced they are, these kids all have one thing in common— and that is parents who are losing their damn minds. Performer after performer gets showered with encouragement. Tobin, this has the feeling of, like, parents at a soccer game, you know? (laughs) It is very much that energy. Like, there was a part of each kid's routine where they did, you know, what adult drag performers sometimes do, which is walk through the crowd collecting dollar bills as tips. Mm -hmm. But in this case, they were walking from excited parent to excited parent collecting money for a scholarship fund. Wow. So it feels kind of like handing money to a Girl Scout collecting cash for charity. Shout out to these parents for being so supportive. Yeah, it is It is kind of amazing. And, you know, for some of these kids, drag is just a fun excuse to play dress up. But for others, it's a real chance to explore some of the questions they may be having about their gender. So it's lovely to see this crowd going wild for them. Yeah, it's very cute, Tobin. Uh, it is cute. But... Why? Why? <laughs> Why does why does there always have to be a but? Yeah, I know, I know. There is a but, unfortunately. Um, and that is, as I was diving into this world, I found out that there's another side to this. Because, as I mentioned before, just outside this all-ages drag show, there are protesters with signs saying that these kids are too young to be involved in drag. And they're not alone in this argument. You want to dress up in drag, you want to subscribe to this culture, that's perfectly fine, but you cross the line when you start dragging children into the middle of it. Folks have taken to YouTube to rant about how they think kids doing drag is wrong. I just feel like even if it's for a special event, like a drag convention or a pageant, it's, you know, there's a time and a place to dress like a hooker during your college years, (laughs) and it's time and place to be a kid when you're Okay. I've also read articles accusing the parents of abusing their kids. Drag is not for children. A lot of drag outfits and performances are sexualized, so no, it's not appropriate for young children to watch, let alone participate in drag. Not appropriate. If I had to sum up the outrage, I'd say that's the best way to put it. The critics say that drag is too adult, wearing makeup and dresses sexualizes these kids, You know, there's no way these kids are discovering and pursuing drag without someone forcing them to do it. And I have to admit that even I, the host of a queer podcast, had a moment of questioning as I was diving into this story. Because, as we said earlier, the drag we're used to can be incredibly raunchy and dirty and certainly not for kids. So I found myself asking, how is it that these kids find their way into drag? And, like... Is it possible that they are too young to do this? Hi. Hi. How's it going? Doing well. How are you? Good. I'm Tobin. Nice to meet in person. You too. Hey. So while I was in Denver, I met up with two people who had been dealing with these questions head on. So um, I guess the best place to start is I'll have you, um, if you could introduce yourselves however you're comfortable introducing yourself. Hi, I'm Ophelia Peaches, and I'm a 15-year-old drag queen. 
Hi, I'm Ophelia Peach's mom, and I'm not going to tell you how old I am. (laughs) Ophelia's mom is named Robin. And a quick pronouns note, Ophelia identifies as a boy outside of drag, but uses she-her pronouns while talking about her drag persona. So you're going to hear us switch back and forth. Anyway, sitting across from them, I notice Robin and her son have about the same length of long brown hair. But on the day we meet, only Robin is wearing a dress. Her son is in jeans and a blazer. But you should see him in drag, as Ophelia peaches the drag queen. Ophelia has a huge personality, with huge coiffed hair to match. Ophelia wears neon makeup and looks like sort of a psychedelic southern belle. Ophelia asks that we only use the name Ophelia to refer to her in this story. But Ophelia didn't always have so much confidence. Yeah, when he was little, he was super shy. Um, He used to hide my skirts when he was little. He was actually so afraid of speaking up that... Actually, didn't pass third grade. Had to redo third grade. Um, He was so incredibly shy that he wouldn't raise his hand. But she started to notice there was one activity where her kid felt super uninhibited and comfortable. I have an older sister, so luckily she had princess clothing and... We'd have tea parties, and we'd dress our dogs in princess clothing as well. And there was one moment that I just remember. It's one of my best memories. I had put on her little princess outfit, and not the tiara, but that kind of cone hat with the veil on it. And I had a little fashion show going down our hallway. And that was the first time I was definitely more comfortable in that kind of not masculine, not feminine, a little bit of both kind of area and I just walked down that hallway singing I'm the queen I'm the queen so already I was not your run-of-the-mill six-year-old but for as much as he loved dressing up not everyone in their small Colorado town approved for you what what has been the pushback or the stuff that you've had to deal with as you found yourself in drag I know you're not wanting to talk about it. Um, she's had some pushback when she was little, and it was it was family. Um, she doesn't like to to talk about it, um, and I don't blame her. It was just a lot of just kind of put downs just to stop me from being different. Like, it was a lot of, you're being a pussy, you're being raised to be gay, grow a set, it was, you're worthless. Robin eventually made a big decision. She decided to split away from that part of the family. She moved with her kids to the big, liberal city of Denver, where she hoped maybe her son could keep growing outward instead of sinking inward. So he started in a new school, and sometimes on the weekends, he would join his mom at fashion shoots. Robin is a photographer, and in Denver, every now and then, her assignment would include photographing drag queens. I began to see a lot more drag queens in person and a lot more grandiose fashion, and it was definitely not daytime clothing, and I fell in love with it immediately. I was... It was the big dress-up box. Yeah. Ophelia ended up going to a middle school that had a really strict dress code. The students were required to wear uniforms every single day. Well, 
almost every day. Every first Friday of the month, we had dress of choice day, so we could wear whatever we wanted that was within the dress code. So I was like, I'm going to take this a little literally. The day before he comes to me and says, Mom, it's dress of choice day tomorrow. I want to wear a dress. And I went, oh, you are inviting some trouble, my little friend. <laughs> this, this could go badly. You have to realize that it could go really, really badly. And Robin realized she was faced with a really tough question. Like, how do I best parent this kid? What is my role? Like, is it my job to protect them from a world that I have already seen be cruel? Or is it my job to be all-out supportive? In essence, she was weighing, what's more important, safety or freedom? And I thought, okay, I have to let him experiment. I have to let him um, either either fall or fly. And uh, I thought, all I can do is give you all the tools you need to make your own choices here. It's dress of choice day, and Ophelia wakes up a full two hours before school to get ready. She slips into the black Anne Klein sequin dress she found at Goodwill. She puts on the black boots she found to match. She even has a little blazer to wear over her outfit. She calls it her I-want-to-speak-to-the-manager outfit. She walks out of the house and gets into the car so her mom can drive her to school. Robin is in the driver's seat, acting the part of super supportive mom very convincingly. She'd help pick out the outfit, she's here driving Ophelia to school, so Ophelia has no idea that on the inside, her mom is filled with dread that this could go badly. She's wondering, have I made a bad decision here? Am I leading my kid to slaughter? I was totally prepared. We had backup clothes. I actually went to a coffee shop nearby instead of going home and said, yeah, because I was afraid they were going to call me within the first half an hour and say, come pick up your kid. (sighs) I I just, it was that moment as a parent where you're proud of your child for doing something brave, but at the same time, you're afraid for your child for doing something that could put them in jeopardy. And I thought, oh, wow, this, this could, could change a lot of things for you. I was, um, I just wanted to make sure I could protect you. So Robin sits there, a couple blocks from the school, phone in hand, waiting to get a call saying something bad had happened or that she needs to come pick up her kid. The morning passes, no call. Then lunchtime goes by, still no call. Her phone also doesn't ring all afternoon. Maybe it had gone okay. I walked into my first class and I was like, this is my dress of choice. And they just got up and were like, I love you, man. And I was like, thank you, guys. I love you, too. It was just so validating that people didn't, like, judge me. They were just so happy for me that I was being myself. Robin's bet had paid off. The Denver middle schoolers were totally unfazed by a little gender creativity. So Ophelia came home beaming. I was really proud of you. I really was. I was I was proud of you for being yourself and and believing in yourself. And soon, fueled by an obsession with RuPaul's drag race, Ophelia had her eye on bigger goals and bigger hair. My 13th birthday, I told my mom that I wanted to have a drag theme birthday. So Robin was like, "All right, let's do this." They kept it small, just Ophelia, Robin, and a couple of friends. 
The itinerary included dinner at the local Hamburger Mary's and tickets to a drag show. But it all started with an appointment with professional makeup artists. So I sit down, they put on burlesque. Show a little more. Show a little the Cher movie. So of course, it was already pretty incredible. I didn't know it was happening, so it took like an hour of me just being like, I know someone's doing my makeup, but I don't know how it looks yet because they would not let me look. But finally, an hour and many false eyelashes later, they turned me around to look into the mirror and they were like, how's your makeup? And I just, I leaned into the mirror and I just immediately started like feeling my face because it wasn't my normal chubby cheeks face. I had contour on. I was like, I'm a woman. I felt beautiful and the most myself I had. I thought you were going to cry. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't (laughs) mess up the makeup. Welcome to If I had any remaining worry that maybe kids could be too young for drag, they were fully resolved by Ophelia and Robin. Because to hear Ophelia tell it, drag wasn't this weird game of dress-up that forced her to act more adult or as some fun house mirror version of herself. Drag was how she found out who she really was. I mean, like, you can't, you can't argue with that. Mm. And in my experience, if a kid really wants to do something or be a certain way— There is basically nothing you can do to stop them if they really want it. Right. But the fact is, there's a lot of people who do try to stop them. And Robin had a nagging fear of what that could mean. After all of that, I, as a parent, went home and went, okay, I I have a problem now. I have a child who wants to be gender creative. I have a child that wants to do drag. Where in the heck are you going to take a child to do drag? And even more scary, how do you keep your kids safe when the world is trying to take them down? More on that after the break. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex of bugs. (laughs) Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. We are back. Uh, Before the break, we met Ophelia and Mom Robin, and they were at this crossroads where Ophelia had tried drag for the first time, wanted to do more, and Robin was kind of stuck. Because having a little one-time drag birthday party was one thing. But what would happen if this became more of a thing? Would she have to worry even more about what the world would have to say about her kid? And here's where I get a little bummed out, honestly, because in some very big ways, she had every right to be scared. The best example I can give you is what happened to Desmond is Amazing. If you've heard of kid drag queens, you've heard of Desmond is Amazing. Desmond is Amazing. 
Oh yeah, I know Desmond. Desmond's one of those like tens of thousands of Instagram followers has made TV appearances, super famous. You are watching the very first drag kid to go mainstream, Desmond Napolis, better known as Desmond is amazing. Totally. And if you haven't seen Desmond in drag before, just go to Instagram. The looks are almost like cosplay, like Desmond's dressed up in like a David Bowie kind of outfit. I've seen them wear a dress that looks like a Venus flytrap. And it's all so well put together. You know, amazing. They've even caught the attention of RuPaul. Now, Desmond, you are the future of America. Desmond's been doing drag for a couple of years. They started when they were seven. Now at 12 years old, Desmond's life is full of performances, magazine shoots, fashion shows, TV shows, and more. They've already walked in New York Fashion Week, appeared in the New York Times, made the Out 100. And to be fair, so did we. We did that. That's true, Kathy. Shout out to us. We made it too. It was years ago, but it's fine. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) the point Mm -hmm. is that Desmond is at the top of the field when it comes to drag kids. Which also means that when it comes to people who have a problem with drag kids, Desmond is the one they go after. Like in 2018, they did a performance that got a lot of attention. Which, okay, we're actually going to take a pause right now and watch this video together. Okay, so this is a performance where Desmond lip-synced to the No Doubt song, I'm Just a Girl. uh, And this is at a place called The Oasis in San Francisco. Uh, Just to describe it, there's like a small stage and a standing room only audience. And it kind of looks like they're dressed as Gwen Stefani. Yes, yes. Yes. Um, Actually, could you describe sort of what Desmond is wearing? Sure. Uh, Desmond's wearing a white dress that sort of comes down to their knees. Mm -hmm. It kind of looks like... Uh, track pants underneath, maybe. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they're wearing a white wig that's pulled up into a ponytail. Right. Yeah. Okay, so so they just took off the dress, and underneath, they're wearing, like, an athletic tank top. Mm-hmm. And yes, yes, track pants. I was right. <laughs> yes. How, how would you describe their dancing? I mean, it kind of reminds me of what you said about those kids in Denver. Like, this seems more like Desmond is acting out the song than doing a choreographed dance. Hmm. But Desmond is confident. Like, the way they're strutting around with no hesitation. I know, right? Like, what a seasoned performer. Seasoned performer. (laughs) And people in the audience are handing dollar bills, those dollar bills. Yeah, so everyone in the audience is tipping the way you'd see a lot of, like, drag performers getting tipped. Um, But I think it's important maybe that we describe how it's happening. Yeah, so like they're holding out dollar bills and Desmond takes them, puts it in a giant pile on the stage. Right, but there's no like tucking the dollar bills into Desmond's clothing or handing it suggestively. No, definitely not. Like the crowd seems like they're just dancing along and cheering. So, yeah, it's not that different than, say, what I saw kids doing at the Denver drag show. The difference is that Desmond is very well-known, and people on the internet saw this video on YouTube and had opinions. 
Someone in the comments asks how it's okay for a kid to perform in a gay bar. Desmond's dad responds saying that New York law says it's okay as long as a parent or guardian is there and the kid only stays backstage until they perform. They stuck to both of those rules. But then Breitbart posted the video to their website and suddenly you start seeing comments popping up about how Desmond's parents should lose custody. There became this whole swirl of backlash to Desmond's performances. People saying Desmond was stripping for dollars in a gay bar, that the parents were forcing this whole thing to happen. What's your favorite memory of performing in drag? The time I wore the bubble, 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 the bubble, what's it called? I got a chance to talk to Desmond is amazing, and they brought along their mom, Wendy. While both parents are supportive, Wendy tends to go with Desmond to more of their appearances. Bubble wrap? Yeah, the bubble wrap outfit where I was singing the Diana Ross. Oh, God. Oh, and that was a long time ago. This was at my house when I was like like six or seven or five. I don't know. Um, yeah, he was always creating outfits. Like, things would disappear, and I would find them in his room. Like my, I'd be looking for my favorite T-shirt or shoes, and they would be in his room. I just want to quickly jump in here to say that this interview was recorded a couple months ago when Desmond was using he, him pronouns. Desmond recently shared that they now use they, them pronouns, so that's what I'll use. But since this was taped a while back, you'll still hear Wendy use he, him. Anyway, back to Desmond. I was a trash queen back then. (laughs) I was a trashy queen. The original trash queen. I was a trashy queen, girl. (laughs) It was drag on a dime. Desmond does this a lot, pulling out catchphrases and quippy lines. They're kind of an old pro, which means they've also gotten used to the negative attention that comes their way. And mommy, why don't you tell them about uh, what happened the other day? On Thursday? Yeah. Yeah, last Thursday. We got, uh, give it, give, go in depth, Mom. Well, Desmond had a part in a, like a small part in a small movie. And he had to be in drag for the movie part. And we didn't really feel like changing back into his T-shirt and jeans after we were done. We just kind of wanted to get home. They get off the subway at Union Station to transfer trains. But as they're walking on the platform, Wendy realizes a man is following them. He follows them as they walk through the station. He follows them as they get into the elevator that they will take to their next train. He was trying to, like, push through the crowd in the elevator to, like, get to us. And then came the yelling. The guy starts calling Desmond names, telling Wendy she's a bad parent. Just looking at his body language, and I could see, like, he was balling up his fist. So, you know, I was worried that it was going to escalate to, you know, possibly a violent or a physical altercation. So, I mean— Desmond, how did how did you feel as that was happening as you were on the subway platform? Well, I didn't want to speak because I didn't want to interfere. But my mom, mm. she was like a hero. She was like, I don't care. <laughs> I was defending us and yeah, I was like trying to shield Desmond's body from him because I, you know, when someone bunches up their fist, that's like body language that they want to get physical. So I was just like shielding Desmond and yelling at him. Even though it was horrible to have to deal with this guy yelling at them, Wendy says it wasn't the hardest part. The hardest part was that so many people watched it happen. Nobody, like, spoke up and said, hey, man, I I don't think you, as an adult, should be saying these things to a kid. It was one of those situations where silence can feel like endorsement. Like, maybe in saying nothing, a part of them agreed that Wendy and Desmond were in the wrong. 
Desmond leaves the studio for a bit to go get a snack and some water, and I get a chance to talk to Wendy about what it's been like for her. Because I get the sense that yes, Desmond is aware of the so-called haters, but they also still seem to think of them as a problem to be brushed off. But for Wendy, it's a daily battle to try to let her kid be a kid. It's like she's trying to create a little force field around them. Every day, she gets on Instagram to delete negative comments on Desmond's account, hoping she'll get to it before Desmond sees. And every day she deals with accusations that she's manipulating her child. In fact, after Breitbart posted about Desmond, people started calling Child Protective Services on the family. To date, they've had over 100 complaints filed against them. In the very beginning, when this became a thing to call CPS on us, sometimes we'd be talking to a worker and another worker would come strolling up to our house. Like, they were overlapping. Oh, my God. And we began to feel a little bit like we were prisoners in our own home because we kind of had to stick around when we knew there were going to be CPS workers coming. And sometimes they would come in the middle of the night, even on a school night, just to make sure Desmond's in his bed. You know, there's this idea that Desmond's out every single night at 3 a.m. performing at gay bars. Oh, no, excuse me. Stripping at gay bars is what the what these people believe. All because of the Gwen Stefani appearance. You know, the one where Desmond danced to I'm Just a Girl. The one where they made sure they obeyed the child labor laws, made sure Desmond didn't leave backstage except to perform. They had to repeat the facts each time for each complaint. They had to prove they weren't out of the house late at night. So, you know, we'd be like, well, here he is in bed, but now you've woken him up and he has to go to school tomorrow. And then they would also go to his school and pull him out of class to talk to him. And they were doing that all day long and his grades start to suffer. After that experience, Desmond didn't want to perform as much anymore. They still love drag and making appearances and whatnot, just wanted less lip syncing in front of a crowd. So Wendy made another parenting choice. Listen to the kid. Desmond doesn't want to do as many performances. That's okay. We can focus on other things like costumes they want to make and, and music. Fort's field's still intact. But on top of all of that are the comments that feel truly wrong. Because in this symphony of opinions about Desmond doing drag is an advocate that no one wants. A couple of months ago, a man who defends the rights of pedophiles, yes, this exists, wrote an article in support of Desmond's drag. He said that Desmond's performances prove that kids can be, and I know this is fucked up, sexy. Which, you know, is just wrong. And I want to be clear here. Desmond's drag is not sexual. They're often wearing full-length dresses or athletic wear that, say, a girl at the same age would wear. And the dancing is not sexual either. But Wendy still had to take to Desmond's Instagram page to address this pedophile rights guy head-on, saying, quote, we do not know him or associate with him or any other pedophiles or sex offenders, end quote. Because if she didn't say something, there's a whole bunch of people who would accuse her of inviting the support. These people make me really mad who say that Desmond attracts pedophiles because that's like, it's almost like when you say that rape victims attract, you know, rapists. It strikes me as deeply unfair that the conversation seems to be happening simply because people see a boy in a dress and immediately tack on a sexual connotation. And it feels even more unfair that Wendy has to make the argument. But Wendy says the thing that keeps her going is Desmond's want to be in this world of drag, their never-ending desire to make bigger, funnier, crazier costumes and show them to everyone. And she's had to learn how to let that desire be her guide, 
not the voices of people who might have a problem with it. I think everybody gets it in their head, like, what are others going to think? Like, oh, my God, what, what, you can't go around like that. Like, what are others going what to, are, what are other people going to think? Well, he's going to want to go outside in this skirt and dress, and you know, maybe I'll just keep it at home because I wouldn't want anyone to know. And you just get all these crazy thoughts in your head, and it was just like a process of, like, balancing out if I'm going to believe those thoughts or if I'm going to let my kid be happy and, you know, eventually had to let all of that go. It, I guess it still is a process because I still worry, you know, um, to some degree, like when I hear people criticize him, it just, you just never let go. Of, uh, I guess you just never let go of it. I don't know. I'm not a perfect mom. <laughs> All Wendy seems to really know for sure is that she wants to give her kid a fighting chance at being happy. So she continues to delete the Instagram comments. She continues to explain to Child Protective Services that no, Desmond is not being used. And she continues to tell her kid that none of it is their fault. And you know what? I think it's working. Because talking to Desmond, they're not so concerned about what other people have to say. How do you deal with the haters? Do you have a strategy? I just pay them no mind. Um, because I'm never been fierce as you and I. That's a song. That's a lyric for my song. It's not. It's not. It's gonna be released hopefully soon. Wait, you have a song coming out? Hopefully soon. Why don't you sing some of it, Des? All right, hon. I am amazing. You are amazing. We are amazing. We are all amazing. <laughs> I'm wondering when you're when you're feeling scared or unsure about something, who do you go to talk to? Um, my mom. She always has the best advice. And Wendy's not alone in this fight. Remember Robin, the mom we met earlier whose kid Ophelia had the drag 13th birthday party? Well, as Robin was wrestling with these big questions about letting her child do drag, she found her way to Wendy, who was able to offer her advice. We have a, a chat group that we're in, and people just post silly things, and they post um, scary things. They, they post day-to-day stuff. They post, um, you know, successes, awards their kids get. They post, um, you know, tough days. And um, I think Wendy has taken the brunt of the tough days, and I respect the hell out of her. Robin also took it upon herself to seek out other parents in Denver who might be going through something similar, trying to create their own little force fields around their kids while they figured everything out. All right, if your kid plays soccer, you're going to be friends with the other parents of the kids that play soccer. Your kid's going to be part of a team with the other kids, and they have something in common. And I had this kid that needed a team, needed other kids that would understand what they were going through. I needed other parents that that would understand what my child was going through. And um, days like, for instance, when my kiddo went to school dressed in a dress, it, it would have been so great to have that, that village to support me as a parent. Robin ended up organizing an event called Dragutant. It's kind of like a debutante ball, but for drag kids. It's not really competitive. Everyone gets prizes. And Ophelia MCs the entire thing. It goes with her persona as a drag queen, shepherding all these new drag queens into their debut, advocating for their ability to just be themselves. I like advocating more than I do performing, because I can't split, I can't death drop, I don't cartwheel. So she offers guidance. 
because she knows what it's like to be so shy that you fail the third grade. But then to find yourself in a dress and heels and feel like you can suddenly save the world. Do you have ideas that you haven't been able to do yet for your drag? Today I just thought of Thanksgiving, I should be in an oven and then open it and then you can open it and then a uh, uh, turkey will pop out. A drag oven. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> To hear Desmond talk about, you know, becoming a drag oven, or to hear Ophelia talk about hosting a debutante ball in heels, it's amazing to me how natural it all feels, how much it just seems to make sense where they've ended up. And then I think about their parents and how not obvious it was that this was the right path, that there were many signs that pointed to danger or perhaps a more careful route. But I keep going back to something Robin said to me back when I first called her to tell her I was coming to Colorado. I was asking her about the turning point for her when it felt okay to let Ophelia really get into drag. And she told me that she really believes that as a parent, if your kid tells you they want to go to the moon, you don't just take them there. You give them the tools to get to the moon, and then you see if they make it. And it seems to me that that's what these parents are doing, letting their kids tell them where they want to go and then opening up the possibility that they'll get there. I want to go back to that snowy day in Colorado, to the end of the all-ages drag show. At this point, it's been two hours packed with kids emoting and dancing and lip-syncing their faces off. And on deck for the very last performance of the night is someone making their debut. Their drag name is Zion, and their mom, Bianca, is sitting right next to me in the audience. I'm nervous. I'm nervous for her because she's nervous, but she's totally got it, so I'm super excited. All right, it's their first time here at the Drag for All Ages stage. Another one. Make some noise. Zion! Zion has on, like, full Dia de los Muertos skeleton makeup and a sort of tattered prom dress. They lip-sync to the song Ghost Town by Shiny Toy Guns. And Zion does not seem shy at all. They are so into the song, and the whole time Bianca is just, like, screaming her head off. After the show, Zion comes running up to her mom and gives them a big hug. Come giving me a mama bear hug. Okay, mama bear. I'm so proud of you. Great job up there. Thank you. Um, I hear this was your first time. Oh, definitely. It was my first time. I've been here for the two last two shows as a, a member of the audience, and I saw like how fun they were having, like how much fun they were doing, and it was like, I want to do that. Zion and her mom might have some of the same questions that Robin and Ophelia and Wendy and Desmond have already started to tackle. But for tonight, it's all celebration. This is a child who is an introvert and a bookworm and sits by herself at home doing her homework and reading her books. And then to see her open up and show this other side of herself, it's like watching the rarest flower that only blooms once kind of start to open up. And to see that as a parent, it just, it melts my heart. Outside, the world is what it is. It is shitty and snowing and mean, and it will tell you what you're doing is wrong. But in here, even for just a couple hours, it's warm. A place where you could imagine things would grow and flourish.
before we go, uh-huh. I think we should give the people what they want. And what is that? Well, you know, we're back. That's super exciting. And we have all these stories and episodes that we're excited about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see where you're going with this. I think we should give the people a little preview of what's coming up from Team Nancy. Play the tape. How do you describe what it is that you do? I always just tell people I do bug sex. (laughs) To this day, I'm a 55-year-old man, and my mama still tells her friends in Alabama that I'm married to a woman here in Canada. I used to be sorted into Gryffindor all the time, and then when I came out as trans, I was never sorted into Gryffindor again. So, like, (laughs) my true self is a Slytherin, I guess. You can't have a glory hole without a wall. And if I told you in 2004 there was a country called the Gay Kingdom of the Coral Sea Islands, what's your reaction to that? He ended up failing that semester and moving back home because he spent all of his time sucking cock. So maybe I should have said Gabraham Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I can't wait for people to hear everything. Hard same. And Tobin. Kathy. Can I tell them about the other thing? Oh, please do. So, Nancy listeners, if you are just as pumped as we are that Nancy is back, there's something you can do with all that excitement. We are asking for a super easy, super simple favor. And here it is. Tell three to five of your friends or family or random strangers on the street to listen to Nancy. That's it. Recommend the show to three to five people. And if you do, we will send you a highly coveted, basically priceless... New Nancy patch. A beautiful, brand spanking new Nancy patch that you can put on a backpack, a fanny pack, a jean jacket even. So tell three to five people about Nancy and go to nancypodcast.org. Click on that Share Nancy link to get that patch. Three to five people, nancypodcast.org, Share Nancy link. You can do this. We believe in you. All right. I think that is enough of us for this week. I am sick of us. Producers. Zakia Gibbons and B.A. Parker. Editors. Lulu Miller and Stephanie Fu. Sound designer. Jeremy Bloom. Executive producer. Susie Lechtenberg. Special thanks this week to Stephanie Wolf and House of Pod in Denver, Colorado. I'm Kathy Chu. I'm Tobin Lowe. And Nancy is a production of WNYC Studios. My parents were never supportive.